What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is part of the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And I am back. I am refreshed. I am relaxed. I've been on vacation. I hug out with the mouse. I bought this hoodie that you all can't see at home listening on your airwaves, but I can show off to my good friends, PC Tunney and David Ungar, my co-host this week, as we got a combination Darth Vader stormtrooper looking hoodie. We're going to do a lot of Disney talk today, a lot of Disney talk today, because while I was away, Disney dropped a bombshell. And fired their CEO, Bob Chapik, and brought back the previous CEO, Bob Iger. We just traded one Bob back for the OG Bob. That's going to be our big story today. We are going to do a little bit of talk in the... Is there... What's going on? The dogs are mad about this? No, they hate, one of the dogs is gagging on something. Hold on. Oh, is that Bob Chapik? Dog is Bob... Hold on. But yeah, we're going to do a lot of talk about Disney today because, well, it's the news. That's the news in entertainment. And this is going to have a ripple effect, I think, through a lot of what we talk about, whether, you know, Dave and I, and Dave in particular, you know, he talks a lot about he's a big park goer and hopes for how it impacts the parks. But it also had a pretty significant impact on the streaming service and films. And I think that we're going to see a lot of that and what we talk about today we are of course today is the day guys today is the day we finish lock and key hallelujah sweet baby jesus fellas it's over we made it 
And of course, we will visit the trailer. But before we do any of that, I did want to talk a little bit about, you know, life while I was away, starting with last week's show. I just had one question, guys. Just one question. Because I did listen to it. Here's the thing that I learned about while uh, at a Disney park is if you want to ride the rides you want to ride, you have to get up early before everybody else so that you can get these things called lightning lanes so so that you, you ride the rides you want. And the lightning lanes go live at 7 o'clock, and then it's like the Hunger Games. You got to like load the app, click on the time, hope that you get it in time, and, and then go for there. But that meant that I would set an alarm early because I was on – I was on lightning lane duty for rides and I would listen to podcasts. And of course I did listen to last week's edition of bandwagon nerds, which set a record for the fastest lock and key review episode of all time. As it was, we hated it and moved on. Dave, 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 I appreciate you. You tried. You did try. You were like, well, they told the little ton. He's like, fuck it. We're leaving. We're out of here. I even gave we're it. Done. I gave the intro music for the first time in weeks just to try. You did. Um, but I just, I had one question coming out of this show because I, I don't dispute the, the conversation. It was during the trailer part. Did we really need like 15 to 20 minutes talking about a Jesus video game? Yeah, we probably did. Did we? Yeah, I think we did. So. <laughs> but why though? Tony and I are going to give these real short answers. <laughs> just... We did. Were you here? I, I need, I need Were more here? for good radio. But you weren't here. You had to be there, man. You had to be there. Did I? Yeah. I, you, but you weren't. You weren't. Were you, were you there? Were you there? Pat, all, I'll, there. all I'll say is when, yeah, okay. the, when this game gets released and the firestorm of backlash hits, you will appreciate the fact that we were ahead of the yeah. curve on this. That's yeah. we're just all I will say. foreshadowing our next conversation about Jesus Christ video game superstar. I guess the, que- I guess the question comes is, because this, this isn't the first Jesus Christ video game ever made, and we're already spending too much time on Jesus Christ video yeah, games like, on this like episode. This fault. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't know. Whoa! The little doubt has has arrived. I haven't even the miracle. Yet. Jesus Christ! It's a miracle. The prologue. Jesus Christ! And the little <laughs> doubt arrives. I guess. I guess that's the, well. The bat. The cat's out of the bag, kids. We have a special guest. He's already excited. He wanted to talk all about his experience with the bandwagoners about his Disney vacation. Before we get to him, though, do I did want to talk a little bit about my trip experience, Dave. We, we, we just did a five by five that everybody's going to hear on Tuesday where we talked about overrated and underrated Disney attractions, which was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did it. But the park going experience, I, I found it interesting because there's been a lot of vitriol aimed at Disney genie plus. I don't know that I thought it was all that bad. Like other than the nickel and diming lightning lane deal for the popular rides. That sucks and is terrible. But the, the the app itself, I thought, was very, very helpful in allowing me to set up my day, at least for the rides I wanted to ride. And kids, here's what you need to know if you're going to Disney World or Disneyland and you're using the Disney Parks app to set up your experiences. It's hard. It's not hard. Don't listen to the little guy over the shoulder. You are allowed to... If you want to be a part of the program, you're going to be quiet until I introduce you. Uh, anyway, the show has completely been gate crashed. Another, another Ray, I see. Yes. <laughs> I'm okay. 
This is so worth it. The app itself does allow you days prior to tell it what rides you're most interested in riding and will prioritize those for you to be able to pick for your lightning link. So it allows you to get first crack at rides you want to ride so long as you're savvy enough to set it up that way and then go to your tip board the morning of to, to make your selections. Now, paying $75 because it costs $25 per person to ride Rise of the Resistance sucks ass and is a money-grubbing scheme that maybe Bob Iger will get rid of. We'll have to wait and see how that all shakes out. But on the whole, that experience... I didn't find to be the worst ever. We used it all throughout the trip. We we were able to find dinner reservations we didn't know we were going to be able to get. We were able to add late um, character dinners where we got to do like dinners where the characters came by and get pictures because people drop their reservations as stuff comes up. And we were able to, uh, the Mrs. O'Dowd was really good about sort of finding their way on and and really getting an experience that was worth it. So that being said, Dave, I know you have a little bit of a rebuttal to that. I don't dispute that the app works as it's intended and, and they've worked out some of the kinks in the system. And, and that's that thing. The backlash comes from the fact that you used to be able to use this fast pass system for free. And, and yeah, it, it would have to be done, you know, with paper, you'd have to go and and get you know you send somebody to run to use your tickets to get the uh the the rides all set up that sort of thing um but i i think like one of the things that i've noticed in geez he's having problems again um one of the problems that the cast members don't do the best job of managing lightning lane versus standby Whereas in the past with like fast passes, they did a better job of that. Now it's just like this massive rush of lightning lane people in the standby. People are just sitting there with their thumb up their ass for five minutes, which I get it. That's what you pay the premium for. But it used to not be that way. And, and they haven't quite worked out. How do we get more of a balance? Yes, the lightning lane guys can cut the line and get to the front. But once you're there, how do we balance between the people who've been sitting in line for two hours? Um, so that's kind of. It works better as far as like generating your rides. I, I won't use the genie thing for that because I don't know. I, I don't trust Disney's analytics as well as some of these independent. I use a different program to map out my itinerary based on statistical data. But yeah, I mean, right. it works. It's 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 a good system. It's not that bad. Like the Max Pass right before the pandemic was like ten dollars extra, but they didn't. You didn't get these these nickel and diming. We're going to charge you a premium to go on these rides that you really, really, really want to go on. It's like, shouldn't that, if I'm paying like $25 extra, shouldn't that just be part of it? Why do I have to pay extra for these rides? I mean, that's, yeah, that's where I hope, hopefully they'll get rid of that part of it. Right. And we'll talk a little bit more about that after the show. The other thing that, you know, we'll talk about some other things later in the show too, of like things I hope they bring back from experience to experience. I will say for a family like ours who doesn't frequent the park, you know, this we've only gone twice in, in three years because we're one, we live in Massachusetts, so that's a trip. But two, just wanting to be able to make sure that we got all the experiences that the little O'Dowd wanted to, to experience and some of the newer rides, the the app I found to be helpful, even with the price point, I, which I do think so. I, I so, get no dispute for me on that front. 
Uh, I will say the little O'Dowd, who I'm going to hand the mic over to and the headphones over to so that you guys can talk about his trip experience, did develop a list of three things that he feels should be removed from Disney parks at all costs. Hopefully, oh, but he doesn't want to share that. So I'm only going to share a couple of them. He, oh, he fir- I, I think it would be good podcasting. First of all, bubble wands, bubble wands need to go away. Yes. Stop it. Dude, my, uh, two, my wife completely agrees with him. Anybody who's got glasses will agree with him. Stroller, the double stroller. Like I get it, but, like, like with, with small children or whatever. Um, but if you're an infant, if you're taking an infant who has no idea where they are, one, why are you taking them to Disney? They have no idea where they are. That is all about you as a parent and wanting that experience for yourself. Don't pretend it's for your kid. It's for you. You're selfish, and that's sad. And then three, um, our biggest complaint, not so much it, it's scooter people, and not so much that there are people who have mobility issues that need to ride around on a scooter to get around on the theme park. No problem with that. It's those who won with their scooter, use them so aggressively to wipe people out. Like the, the way that some of the scooter people operate and abuse their disability status to manipulate not only the cast members, but also crowds around them. Like they're dangerous people. So there are some dangerous folks on the scooter folks. Those were the three that we were like, get rid of them. I'll say with that, if I may. Oh, go ahead. So my niece, she needs a scooter because she has mobility problems and that sort of thing. There is. It's, it's not about that. No, no. But there is an interesting thing about the scooters that they operate almost as a lightning lane unto themselves for people who don't know. Right. And there's other there are people who will just buy what do they call them? EVs, electronic electric vehicles. They'll buy the right EVCs. to use that because they know that they can, whether they're disabled or not, they know that they can use that to leverage their way to the front of lines. I don't agree with that. Right. But yeah, I, I mean, but, but you know, the inverse of that pad is like, if you go to universal, there's like their disability accommodations are for shit. Disney at least tries to accommodate oh. those with disabilities. I, I absolutely. And I want to be clear. I have, Absolutely 1,000% in agreement with the accommodations that have been made. I am in 100% that people with mobility issues and need to get around. Like we got, we put in 20,000 steps a day. That's 10 miles of walking. Like for a person with disabilities? Yeah, absolutely. What I don't like and what I think is troublesome is the way it gets abused. And and just because you have a disability doesn't give you the right to plow through a car to crowd of people and possibly hurt somebody with your scooter or or use it to cut off folks trying to get to a place so all right his energy is through the roof to talk to you guys about his experience at disney world so i'm going to do like i always do i'm going to hand the headset to the little o'dowd i'm going to step out of the room and let you guys talk to him for a good five minutes or so i can't wait for you know the results when i hear him bad mouth me in my absence, he's already giggling. He's so excited. This will be more entertaining I'm than lock and key, Tony. That's for sure. It is. I'm kind of sad 100%. Ray's not here or Aesop isn't here to talk to him as well. So give me a second. But folks, here to talk about his Disney World experience. One, little O Dow. Have a seat in the chair. Here's the headset. All How's you. it going, bud? Good. How was, so how was, how was trip? Florida? 
It was good generally. That's a well, qualifier. What was bad? Yeah. Mm. Crowds of people. Yeah. So, like near the beginning of the trip, there was a parade going on. And there was a crowd of people, and it was, I, it was annoying to navigate. And we weren't watching the parade, and there were fireworks, and it was just annoying. What wasn't annoying? What were your favorite rides? Like usual, I liked the Haunted Mansion. I heard you rode that seven times. Yes, I believe. Yeah. It's a good one. Can you take us through that, then? Take us through the ride. You did it seven times. You should remember it. So how does it go? So first, you stand in a long line. But <laughs> that's a common, common thing. Yeah, long, long lines that. are common. Yeah, every ride. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, a lot. Every ride has a long line. It's almost unavoidable. But what's special about this line is there are actually in, interactable things in the line. So, like, there's a part where uh, there are instruments on the wall. If you press the instrument, it will make the sound of the instrument that you pressed. There's even an organ. So, yeah. Also, the organ, it sprays water at your face sometimes. I know. I I experienced it, like, last time I rode the ride. So what, what part of Haunted Mansion, like... You know, the ride, they go through the graveyard, they go through the ballroom, that sort of thing. Uh, which part of Haunted Mansion is your favorite part of the ride? Ooh, I know this one. It's the ballroom. If you look at one of the ghosts sitting at the table, uh, one actually looks up at you, and it's pretty cool. It is. There's also the ghost dueling, where they come out, out from the painting. Actually, while we were there, on TV, there was um, uh, how it was made and stuff, along with the Hollywood Tower of Terror and a few. And basically, that's all that we saw. So you went, um, to, you went to all four parks, right? Yeah, yeah. Which one is your favorite of the four? I'd have to say Hollywood Studios. How come? Because of these Edge. I do like Star Wars. There And there is a photo going around with you and Darth Vader. How was that interaction? Did you tell him anything special? Is he is he working on anything for you? You're not referring to him correctly, Tony. It is Lord Vader, right, Connor? Yep. Also, my dad's like right over there. But, um, yes, it is Lord Vader. But only when I am wearing Stormtrooper slash... Empire and First Order objects and gear. Otherwise, I just refer to him as Darth Vader, which I am referring to him now because I have nothing Star Wars on me that is... Yeah, tell Dave. Yeah, tell Dave. I can call him Darth Vader. You're allowed, Tony. But when I met him, it was Lord Vader. Because... So was was he the most impressive uh, person that you met? Character-wise? Well, man, I like Chip and Dale. Saw them multiple times. They were fu- they were a lot more fun, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I also met Chewbacca and BB-8. So did you, did, okay. you, um, did you ride Rise of the Resistance? 
Oh yeah, we even rode Star Tours. So Star here, Tours, let me ask yes. you. What, Dave and I each have one more question for you, and I'll ask my question first. Well, Dave, make sure he's got his down. My question for you is, what's the funniest thing that happened to your dad on the trip? Honestly, I don't think there's anything that happened that was too funny. Oh, shucks. We tried. We tried. Well, well, then then I take that back. Then we'll go with, what's the favorite thing you ate? <sighs> so I had a Mickey Marshmallow. Ooh, how was that? Good. Chocolate, caramel, marshmallow. What was with the marshmallow? So there is white chocolate on the marshmallow. I actually had two different marshmallows. I had a mini marshmallow that was covered in like sprinkles and white chocolate. And, and it had a white chocolate. And sh- the marshmallow had a white chocolate bow on the head. I mean, the ears area. And the Mickey one was less interesting. It was just... Mickey's head shape, and uh, the head had, like, overalls, like, around here, kind of, and two M&M's as buttons. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Everybody likes M&M's. Dave? Well, I want to ask you, because this ties into what me and your dad were talking about this morning. Um, Was there a ride there that you were really looking forward to that kind of let you down and was there a ride that you were surprised by how good it was surprised by how good it was was i think rise of the resistance because if we're talking about this specific trip i last time uh we rode almost all the the rides actually no i think it was jungle cruise slash jingle cruise a holiday spirit very cool was there a, any ride that you were kind of like disappointed in well all the rides that i was kind of disappointed in, i really didn't want to listen to any i mean like ride anyways so yeah fair enough in, in all the rides we rode were ones that i wanted to ride yeah what about like stuff you brought back everyone. with you? I see your dad has that cool hoodie on. You have a cool shirt on. You got that Spider-Man oh, Mickey Mouse it. hat. What else you got? What else did you get when you were down there? What did you bring back with you? One of the shirt isn't actually from Disney World. Okay. It's cool. But what'd you get? What'd you get down there? Ooh, I got a Chippendale plushies. Oh. And like the 50th anniversary suit and stuff. Very cool. Very cool. What's the, la- what's the last thing you want to tell us about your entire trip? It was good. It was good? <laughs> and my feet hurt almost the entire time. Where do you I'm tell your dad in. before he comes back? Before your dad comes back, tell him where you want him to Sorry, take you next. Sorry, he's already here. Tell him. Tell him, say where, tell him where tell you want to go next. Tell your dad you want him to come bring you to California so you can go to do Disney with us. There you I don't go, know Uncle what PC Tony is saying to make you laugh, but why don't you say goodbye to everybody out there in podcast land, and I will take over from here. Bye. I want to go to Hawaii, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. He wants to go to Hawaii next. And that could happen in his future. Bye. Bye. The little O'Dowd, everyone, an experience unto himself. Gentlemen, I don't know what all he talked about uh, with his experience there, but I did I did catch the Lord Vader conversation 
he explained to you the rules there. Is that correct? Did yes, he uh, did he talk to you all about his new collecting obsession no. from the trip? No, you are gone. You have left the podcast. Go back upstairs. <laughs> he's like he's like, a, he's like he's like AJ when he first started coming on pods more. <laughs> no, you're done. Go. He did not t- tell us about, uh, but you showed us pictures. It is a, a dangerous hobby. So, so, yes. Now, I knew all about pin trading, um, just kind of in what I've looked at and read about. And I, I love the concept. It's baseball cards for, for Disney Disney tripping uh, trips. And, they, you know, every year, basically, there's editions of various pins that come out. And people go to these parks. They buy these pins. They buy lanyards or boards or they'll put it on their own clothing. Or like I saw one dude with a vest that was just covered in pins. And here's what I saw. And you could go to various locations throughout the park and there would be, you know, cast members with like boards with pins stuck to them. And you could trade out an old pin for a new pin. The little O'Dowd, for example, got an Alice in Wonderland pin with a teacup that he was like, I don't care about Alice in Wonderland in a teacup. Put it in a board, traded it for a goofy uh, pin that he liked instead. Instantly, the Alice in Wonderland pin was gone. Like, just, it was there. It was before we even left the location, somebody else had taken the pin. And it's and it's a big thing. We had to, we had to have sank at least $200 in pins. Those little fuckers are expensive. They're cool. They're really cool and they're neat. And they, you know, they have all these different special editions and stuff, but man alive, can that add up in a hurry? Yeah. My kids have four, six lanyards filled with pins from Disney trips over the years. I mean, some, some of the pins are are rare because they're like referring to, like uh, California Screaming, which is now in Credit Coaster. So you've got pins referring to what these rides were before they changed over, did certain things. And, and some pins are very interactive, moving parts and all sorts of weird stuff. But yeah, it's it's a it's a really big deal in all the parks. Yeah, the little O'Dowd got one that is a uh, stormtrooper, but his arms and legs move uh, and, and move around like that. He got a... Um, he got a couple of Disney 50th anniversary pins. They've got this whole series of Mickey Mouse pins that are designed based on rides. So he got a big Thunder Mountain Railroad Mickey Mouse pin, for example, on that. So it's a it's a really cool thing. It's a neat thing to do. Now he has a solid base if he actually wants to trade in the future. Uh, we only we did fill two lanyards. Uh he has a Star Wars specific lanyard that has every Star Wars pin that he got on it. And then he has a lanyard that is a Haunted Mansion themed lanyard, but it has everything else. So, Tony, I will buy you a trip. lanyard if you come out here for WrestleMania and go to Disneyland. I'll get you a lanyard. I'll even get you a few pins, buddy, just because we're besties. Let me tell you something. I, I thought I heard Patrick say that they did something called Disney tripping, and I thought maybe you know, twice a year for an entire weekend, adults only it's Disney tripping. Well, eh? now they do have, like they do have, yeah. a drink, yeah. they do Whoa. have a drinking tour that you could do at Epcot because Epcot has beers of the world or alcohols of the world. They actually do a wine, uh, a wine event yes. in November where you can, where you go to Epcot in an evening and drink wine from various countries because 
that's the setup of Epcot that I think is really interesting. Like the front part of Epcot, it's actually like three different parks. You've got this space park, which has mission space and has the Guardians of the Galaxy ride and the test track. So kind of the future. Then there is an environmental side that has one building that's uh, an aquarium and another building that talks about the land and is about conservation, as well as randomly in there, an imagination section where Figment, the famous dragon that is only existing at Disney theme parks, uh, has his own ride. But then at the very back of Epcot is the World Showcase. And it's basically this big horseshoe and each section of this, it's divided up into sections of different countries around the world with restaurants and breweries in many cases that are themed based on the country that you're in. And so you can get booze in like every single country, starting at Canada and finishing in China. And people do that. Like people go to Epcot and just do a tour of the world. Dave has done the tour of the world drinking at Epcot. Yes, it is. You just go from country to country. Some of the, like, I know Mexico's got a pretty a nice little boat ride. That cerveza. You can, yeah, you can do the boat ride, get cerveza. There's Mex- it's food, it's booze, it's just, and it's, and it's memorabilia and souvenirs the whole way around this circle tour. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, I know France has got the Ratatouille ride thrown in there somewhere and that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's really cool. Yeah, there's, um in Norway, there's a frozen ride with Anna and Elsa that a lot of people line up for. And then in Mexico, there is the three caballeros have a, have a ride that is largely regarded by many as an underrated ride uh, at Disney, Disney parks. We actually didn't have a chance to ride it. So we missed, I missed out on that one. Also low wait times on that one, but overall the trip was great. The little doubt as, as he probably told you met Lord Vader twice because he wanted to make sure that he showed off all his regalia. He met Chewbacca, BB-8, um, plenty of other stuff. It was great. It was worth the the ridiculous amount of money we spent to do it. So there you have it, everyone. The O'Dowds went to Disney, Disney World. We are back facing the cold gray of New England as we speak. And now we're going to force PC Tunney and David Ungar to talk about lock and key because gentlemen well, it's thanks over for your money. very much so and mickey took a lot of it but hey memories were made let's talk lock and key because guys it's over it's over tunny how do you feel now that it's all over it's over i'm glad it's over so and what i'm sure will be a surprise to no one else this much like this season felt like a very rushed denouement conclusion to the saga of the Locke family in which the big bad defeated in 15 minutes and still managed to have me yell at my television screen because damn it you establish this creation key in the previous episode that can create inanimate objects which by the way defies the rule that it established when it was introduced where they said it could draw any living thing and make it alive, and then suddenly it can draw anything and make it so. But whatever. Rules have no meaning. Down is up, up is down. Fuck this show. So we have this creation key. We're escaping Gideon. We're trying to flee. We get to this Harlequin box, which they have proven you can't open in any way other than magic, and then they try to devise an elaborate 
weird scheme to defeat Gideon by pushing him through the gazebo gate instead of the answer that's in front of you of drawing a key to open the box. And then they don't even draw a key to open the Harlequin chest. They draw a door in the Harlequin chest to open up to get all the keys out of it. What the hell is wrong with you're, the box? You're missing you're missing so many more utter, 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 utter distasteful no. worthy points in the story. Jump uh, in Gideon knows Gideon knows how to Gideon knows how to drive a car. Yes. Uh, they like, even poked fun at what? themselves what for that. He, right. Um oh the montage of him like around the car blowing up. First the car it, it hits an invisible bump and flips over 74 times. And then there's a hold moment and then the car explodes and then getting, I mean, Oh my God, we thought it was bad before. It was like suddenly whatever studio was doing this, somebody said who was in charge and, and it was like undeniably happening. It was bring your child to work day, but not only that, let them do the work day. So we had an eight year old that decided to go, I know this story and I'm going to, I want you to give me what I want here. And I want you to give me what I want there. And I want it to go this way. And then we're going to go and have an explosion here. And then the mom's going to push him back in there. And then we're going to have a key montage at the end. That's going to be the best thing. We're going to, we're going to pull all the tropes out of everything and it's just going to be a, a. I am surprised I wasn't too dehydrated to do this show today, considering I watched this finale just beforehand and have been gagging ever since. So here, here's the thing. I, I didn't I, I actually liked the whole like family lock reunion thing. Like, was, I didn't hate yeah, that. That like, was the only redeeming that part nice. of this entire sweet. season. I agree. Um, I I, abs- I absolutely hated, um, just I hated the resolute. Like there was no climax to this to this portal that we've been threatening. Like there was never like a you just never felt like there was any real danger that was going to be like even in like I'll use Avengers Endgame and this is unfair. There's like at their lowest point. There's like a moment at their lowest point. Cap gets up. He's a man alone strapping the shield, staring out at Thanos. There was no moment even remotely like that. And, and so, yeah, we just, we defeated him. We shoved him over the cliff. We stabbed him with an apple, uh, with the alpha key. Um, they did the, they did the mini montage of the keys. Like you mentioned, Tony. And I will say part of it was like, oh yeah, I remember that key vaguely, sort of. They, they did do you the courtesy of showing you a little video of a few of them so you knew what they did. Um, but I, I did. I think it was okay. And I guess that the whole point of... Oh, and thank God Ellie got her job back as a fucking track coach and that everybody was there to cheer right. her on as she showed up. You know, like, oh my God, that's so great. And thank goodness. What what's 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 the brother's name? The uncle uncle dipshit Duncan Quad Dinkit Duncan Quad. Di- Duncan dipshit yes Duncan dipshit. Thank God he always has his room. Like they're not going to turn it into Josh's some kind of man cave. Okay, they're not going to do that. That was in question. That was in question, folks. And it's not going to happen. Always Duncan's room. Blech. At least Dave. We, we, well, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I mean. 
The resolution. Oh, you can't have it, Dave. It's Duncan's. Yeah, the resolution of the whole Gideon storyline in 15 minutes was absurd. Um, the stuff with Rendell, the time thing, to get some closure on that whole thing, that was fine. I agree with you, Pat. I, I had no problem with it. The ending drug on, it was it was kind of like, you know, I know right. the Lord of the Rings sort of scenario where it's like, you guys could have ended this a while ago, but, you know, you can't compare it to Lord of the Rings because this is not Lord of the Rings. It's it's way more trash than, <laughs> but I, you know, that drug on too much, like Tony's saying, there's, there's like storylines and story arcs that no one gives a shit about. Why are we even mentioning this just to add on some time? I did like that Scott came back at the end. And if there's every time Scott shows up on screen, it seemed like the story was a little bit better <laughs> for some reason. We didn't get enough of him. Um, and I, I don't know why it's like, why, why did you have them on this limited schedule and you didn't want to pay him? But yeah, it's right. just, it's just such a disappointing when you look at where we started with this show, which was so good. And, and then, and that was, you know, they're showing these flashbacks to season one and you're like, God, I remember when the show was really good and intense and then they right. just mailed it in so badly this last year that I ended up with you guys with Tony is saying, I'm glad it's over. Well, they, they finished it too with the perfect, you know, wet fart of a shark by having Bodie go, Oh, do you guys hear that? Absolutely nothing. And then mom closes the doors and that's the end. It's like, Oh, yay. But, if I was but seven, Tony, this would be fucking amazing. Tony, you forget though, not only did he hear nothing, but then they started whispering right before they went dark again. There's, there might be more keys. Um, Here's the other thing I thought was really interesting. So they, they didn't kill anybody important, right? In this whole damn show. But um, Gordy Shaw, the drama teacher, he's the one. He had the best death in the whole movie. It was actually kind of sweet. Or show. Gordy and, Gordy and Eaton, right? That's it. Yeah. Gordy, you know, he, he goes down. He gets stabbed. He was nothing but like excluded from the kids it was messed up like it was just oh, it, it, i don't know you're right no i mean nobody of consequence you know nothing happened to anybody in season there was two. no like, sacrifice you, yeah you look at season two i mean some of the most gut-wrenching moments jackie dying and the impact that has on time right i don't know tony didn't like season two and you and i liked it a lot more than he did but stuff like that where you've got like these dramatic moments with characters that you care about in peril some of them who don't make it they had no zero none of that at any point in season three, nobody was in any sort of jeopardy. The only time was like, oh, Bodie might get, oh, he's in the ghost door. But the drama surrounding him was like the only thing that even crept close to that line. And it never even got to the line. So, yeah, it just, it, it just, I, I, I don't, I yeah. don't, I don't know what happened. So, <laughs> yes, something went wrong halfway through season two or, you know, towards the end of season two. For Tony, it was all of season two. This show is done. On a scale of Mole Man to Doctor Doom, lock and key as a show, or in Tony's case, um, from from a scale of Eggman to the Joker, great lock and key, David Ungar, as a total show. As a total show, like all three. Yeah, don't seasons? go season by season. Oh, yeah, you gotta you wow. gotta do it in its totality. Um, probably like uh, Mole Man to Doctor Doom as a total show. I probably say something like Rhino. Maybe somewhere in that, in that area. Oh, the rhino. Okay, you know, I, creeping towards Doc Ock a little bit, that sort of thing. Total. Because on the strength of the first, on the strength of the first season, the first two seasons. I, I, I like the second season. I'm not. I, I don't. I, I'm not That's in Tony's right. camp on that one. 
So I'm probably a little more towards the middle because the finale, this final season was just such a dud that it really killed a lot of goodwill that was built out of a first season and a solid second season. So I'm going to go kind of more middle of the pack, maybe even slightly lower tier mutant and go with, um, now people are going to probably take umbrage with this, but I actually like this character. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to give it an avalanche. Um, as my as as mine which is more of like a, a four for for my totality tony on a scale of eggman to the joker it's actually egg, it's it's a scale of egghead to oh, egg catwoman head. to catwoman just because bad, julie newmar julie newmar anybody would be excited to see um, caesar romero's second with the joker that's like almost almost there uh that's what Fair she said I, I have it somewhere between it lies somewhere like around King Tut and and uh, the Bookworm. That's kind of where we're going here. Maybe a little false nice. face. It's not good. It's not good, my friends. It's not good at all. It started off with, oh, maybe that could be something, but it wasn't. It was nothing. Uh, on a scale of something to nothing, definitely nothing, which is something. But in this case, it was still nothing. All right, folks. Well, there you have it. That will do it for our review of Lock and Key. I've already removed you from my next Netflix Q. Happy trails on that one. Next week, fellas, I would like for us to review. It's the holiday season, and we got at least a week before Doom Patrol. I'm thinking we review a holiday film, but I think Dave mucked up the holiday film. I want to because I don't think Dave has Apple TV, and I know Tony, you let it lapse, right? You I didn't. Have, I have it. I get it. Oh, you both have it. it? You get it? it? I don't, but I'll get it I... again because what you call it's coming back too, right? Yeah, Ted Lasso's coming back soon. But what I figured we would do is there is a film starring Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. Greg, PayPal me 10 bucks. Greg will not pay by. Is there there a free trial subscription? I'm sure. I'm I'm kidding. I was going to get it. No, I'm I'm, I'm giving you a hard time. I I don't want you to go too far into it. The diner, no big deal. Skip back. I won't. Well, anyway, regardless, how about we check out Spirited, starring Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell, and give our review of the movie Spirited for next week's edition of The Bandwagon. I think that's worth yeah. the time and effort. And oh, yay. Yeah. And, and Dave will be sad because it's a musical, so he'll hate it. No, but we're gonna renew my subscription right now. <laughs> I'll watch it. I will say you guys should watch A Christmas Story Christmas, Pat. I know you were down on it. Um, it is, I'm it sure I'll better get than to it. You think I'm sure it it's going to happen. I I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. I've already I've already kicked off my holiday. Yeah, let me know what season, you think. So. I think you'll like it. It's it. They did. I told people I'll say this, and then I'll leave. They tried really hard to honor the magic and the memory of the original, and and that's that goes a long way. So, well, I do appreciate the effort. What I also appreciate is that we're going to take our first commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a couple of trailer parks. Brief visit to the trailer park today as we head into all of the Disney fun here on the bandwagon. So stay tuned. Trailer Park coming. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, welcome back. Quick trip to the trailer park today, everyone, as the pickings were really slim. This week, and and when I say slim, I think it's evidenced by the first movie I picked on here because it's not exactly typical bandwagon fare. But as usual, before we head into this beautiful thing we call the trailer park, we need some banjo music. So Dave, play that beautiful banjo. Welcome into the trailer park, everyone. Only two trailers this week. One a little bit outside of what we normally do here at the bandwagon. But since Dave decided to use a trailer for a video game about Jesus as a conversation point, I feel it's okay to talk about the immortal Tom Hanks as he is putting out a movie titled The Man Called Otto. And here's the thing. As I think this movie's going to do well. It, it, it appears to be curmudgeon lonely old man, widowed old man, who finds warmth again in the world through the family that moves in next door. Tom Hanks has always played like these like kind of genuine everyman sort of characters. To the, to, so to see him put on the face of, a, of kind of a bitter, angry old man a la what's-his-name from Up, Looked like an interesting change of pace for me. And, and some of the things that he gets pissed off about, I'm not going to lie, I get pissed off about too. Like people's dogs shitting on sidewalks or pissing on sidewalks. Take care of your dog. What are you doing? I, I, I need it. I feel that character. I'm interested in this. I think Tom Hanks is one of my all-time favorite actors. I really don't think that there's a movie he's in where you can go wrong watching him do his work. And so, oh, Tony, are you, you know, just like Tom Hanks? too like like you just is is this another keanu reeves situation no what are you doing i don't know you're making faces though oh i was agreeing i was agreeing okay and you were like yeah they're playing are they no and then he was like there's there's no role he can't conquer and i'm like no there's no role i was with you i was with you 
Oh, okay. So tell us more. What do you think of this trailer for a man called Otto? I, I agree with you. I it's think not going to be in 3D, so I'm sorry. I, yeah, wouldn't it? You can you <laughs> feel the curmudgeony in 3D? Um, you know, I it, we do. We see a lot of ourselves when we have a a, a bone to pick here and, and with Tom Hanks, and it's kind of refreshing because what happens here is you see that every person does have their gripes, right? Because Tom Hanks is the every person playing it. What is this? Is this where is this in movie theaters? Is this on uh, a streaming? I want to see this. I feel like this is like grumpy old men meets like, like some Hallmark heartwarming stuff. You know, we're going we're gonna to get the comedy and then the family and the girls look cute and everything. So I definitely think it'll be a really good movie. It'll be a really good family movie. And Tom Hanks just hits a home run. Um, the story of according, a man named Otto and not the story of Otto, man. According to nice, by the way, I appreciate that Simpsons reference. You're welcome. According to the interwebs, Christmas Day is when this releases, December 25th. So, Dave, your thoughts on A Man Called Otto? Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a different role for, for Tom, but certainly nothing he can't pull off. Um, it's, uh, it, it, you know, as far as Christmas holiday movies, it's it seems like a little bit of a different take on Ebenezer Scrooge, um, you know, but instead of being the, the cheapskate of the world, he's just bitter at the world because of presumably what he's lost. But uh, yeah, like you're saying, there's not a role Tom Hanks can't do. Um, he's probably the preeminent actor of our generation. Uh, so yeah, it, it looks like something fun. It, like you're saying, learns to start to feel the warmth in the world. Obviously he's had a tremendous loss that has made him bitter and um, it looks it looks very entertaining. So, sure. is this just live action up? No, I don't think so. I mean, they're nah. I mean, ups ups a little bit different sort of thing. I mean, you know, I I don't know. Maybe if this if this the little girl in there becomes like the focal point of bringing him around and reconnecting him with the world, maybe. But up was such so, a unique sort of concept that I, I don't know if this. And I don't, I don't, I don't even, I don't even mean Did, that in like a condescending way either. No, like, I, I, I want to be clear about that. Yeah, I think you're figuring out a way for this movie to succeed past its, its expectations critically, right? And for it to do that, it needs to have an extremely serious nature to its main storyline, and everything that we've seen in the preview needs to be nearly the large majority of the comedy inside of the movie. Does that make sense? Like, otherwise, this yeah, is just so. kind of a fluff thing that we all go, uh, you know, 12 months from now, we don't really remember it was out, but we all kind of enjoyed it. But if it has some serious underlying story to it, and a lot of this, there's a little more drama that we don't get from it, I, that I would appreciate a little bit more. Either way, I'm going to watch it, but that's what I'm looking for to make it that much better. Very nice. Yeah, I, I think I'm right there with you guys. I, I look forward to seeing it um, when it comes. I don't know if... I, I go back and forth on whether this is one I catch at the theaters. Uh, well, we'll just kind of have to wait and see on that front. But I, I can't deny that it, it doesn't look interesting. Obviously, I shared it as an option. Favorite Tom Hanks movie, Once Around the Room. If you had to pick one Tom Hanks movie to watch, where what do you watch? Dave, I'll go with you first. You look more stumped. Probably big, I'd say. Solid choice. You see Tony? Forrest, cast me if you can. Forrest, cast me if you can. So Forrest Gump, cast away and catch me if you can. You, I only could give you one. 
So an amalgamation of those three, that'd be really interesting to check out. Um, I would have to say Dave, Dave stole the, the heartwarming comedy out of big. So I will, I will also go with splash is phenomenal with him. And then last, and then, yeah. And then Philadelphia where, you know, he rightfully won an Oscar for his role in Philadelphia, the first of three that he hit back to back to back, just ridiculous. There's so many great movies involving Tom. Was the, uh, was it Bosom Buddies? Was that his uh, sitcom back you, in the day too? Bo- like, Bosom I mean, Buddies on. sitcom. That's just ridiculous. Bachelor Party. Bachelor Party. Yes. Sa- Saving Private Ryan. I mean, he just he's he was everywhere, uh, and and that's David not S- even counting Sleepless in Pumpkins. Yes, thank you, Patrick. <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle. You got mail. Like he did it all, and this looks like another probably strong, solid hit for Tom Hanks. All right. The other trailer that we got was a new trailer for Avatar Way of the Water. This one actually looks like it tells you a little bit of what happens, what the storyline is in the movie itself. Still not going to go see it. You're not going to convince me to go see it. Fuck you, James Cameron, and your pretentious white guilt movies. However, it does seem like this is uh, Jake Sully's family being forced to relocate due to whatever's happening with with earth you know human beings um and their continued attack on the navi and on pandora so they appear to be refugees so that that's that to me strikes me as the story is that this is about refugees of war being accepted into another country of people and, and them overcoming that before facing yet another invasive human threat PC Tony, this will be in 3D. Will you see Avatar Way of the Water? No. I seen the preview. I seen the 3D preview. It's all yep. it's pretty much it's pretty much all I need. Dave. It's highly likely that I will go to see this one. Um uh, just Yeah, I, I don't know about the 3D part of it, but I know, you know, enough people in my family will be interested in in seeing what happens and and i mean it it does this trailer kind of moved the needle a little bit more for me to like uh you know what maybe this would be worth checking out uh as opposed to i'm still not quite sure i'm sold on it but i yeah probably if i have time put it that way if i find find the time to go see it i'll go see it otherwise probably not we are really down on avatar why is Avatar such a global thing if we are kind of down on it? Because it was like, re- it was revolutionary that... at the time. The 3D was revolutionary, the, and it is riding off now, of now its I laurels. Will say, I, I will say I hated Avatar, the original. Like I, I disliked the original. Where's the great original. story? Where's the great story? You, you don't really care about unobtainium? There really isn't one. Uh, it sounds like it's unobtainable. Ah, very nice. Very nice. All right. I think that's about all we need to say about that. We're going to take our second commercial break. And when we come back, we are going to talk all about the shakeup at Disney as Bob Chapek is out as CEO. Before we head into our recorded commercials, though, I do need to remind you that if you love what we do here on the ChairShot Radio Network and you are looking for the perfect holiday gift for that wrestling or popular culture fan out there, then head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in a chair shot shirt. We have all these wonderful designs. And right now, 
is the best time to get the chair shot radio fan in your life the ultimate swag and gear for them. It also helps us keep putting this stuff out every single day on your internet airwaves. It's post Thanksgiving. We've entered into the holiday season. I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts. There's a code of some sort that exists. I don't know what it is. It's not dollars to donuts though. Tony, do you know, is there a code? Do you know if there's a code? Right Black now, Friday for ProWrestlingTees.com? Probably by the time this airs, they'll be done, right? It's Monday. Monday. Yeah, it'll be Cyber, Cyber Monday, Monday, probably. Probably type in so, Cyber. There's going to be something. And here's the thing. Cyber Just slots. type in. Yeah, don't type that. That would be bad. But type in some sort of Cyber Monday code. I'm sure it'll pop up Cyber and take O's. a few dollars off of your Pro Wrestling Tees order. Remember, the shirts are only $19.99 as it is. Or if you're feeling fancy, want something nice on your or your loved one's giblets, get it soft style for a few dollars more. That's right. Treat yourself. Treat others. Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in one of our mini t-shirt designs. When we come back, we are going to talk all about the big shakeup over at Disney. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chair Shot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, welcome back. Now, while I was away on vacation, of course, at a Disney park, no less, huge news rocked the entertainment world as Disney out of nowhere on a Sunday night, Sunday, November 20th, was like Bob Chapik is out as CEO of Disney. Bob Iger is back in. Now, Bob Chapik. Since taking over 11 months ago, by the way, only 11 months as CEO at Disney, handpicked successor of one Bob Iger, very, 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 very quickly in his role as CEO, alienated a large portion of the people who love Disney products, whether that be parks, whether that be, you know, his alienation of um, Pixar. And the things that were being done with the animators at Pixar Studios to his non-stance, half-ass stance regarding Florida's Don't Say Gay bill that then led to immediate backlash from one Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida over Disney World. Just a train wreck of, of 11 months, not to mention poor navigation of covid you know, a lot of people even would would argue that this started from the Disney Plus release of Black Widow, leading to a lawsuit from Scarlett. Just a ton of stuff that went terribly. And in front of what was expected to be and was a very poor quarterly showing from Disney, Chapek outed. Let's start here. I'm going to go with Dave on this one. Uh, because I'm willing to bet that, that Tunney was like, oh, that's what the problem was. And wasn't necessarily as, you know, kind of closely tied to this. Is, 
as Dave was. So Dave, you're re- you're just your initial reactions before we get into some of the some of the reasons and the reactions and just sort of all of the stuff that's kind of fall out fallen out since of Chapek out as CEO of Disney. Um, thank God across the board on many fronts. I'd say my wife called Chapek her every time she referred to him. This should tell you something. She referred to him as Bob Cheap Dick. And that's how my wife referred to him every single time, because every decision he made was, you know, and I understand that he had a duty to make the company more profitable. And he sacrificed a lot of uh, fan satisfaction, especially at the parks. uh, That's for sure. To try and make Disney more profitable. Problem is Disney shares fell, what, 41 percent during his tenure? Um you can't survive that. I, I mean, we we own some Disney stock, not a lot, but enough to notice like, hey, wait a second. Um, you When you're talking one of the largest companies in the world and arguably the largest entertainment company in the world, and you've lost 41% over the past several months of stock price. Yeah. And then you're talking, we're going to cut more costs. We're going to do this, that. Yeah, that's that's a big problem. And and there are a lot of people on, uh, you know, my wife's more tied into Disney than I'll ever be. Uh, but I heard complaints from her and all of her people just repeatedly about his decisions he made. Um, I think the big things for me, Pat, like you mentioned, him, Pixar, the handling of Pixar, um, the handling of the parks. That's been a big problem. And, you know, you saw it firsthand yourself this last week. We've been dealing with it for over a year out here. So, yeah, I and I don't know if things are going to change overnight, but I think, you know, across the board, there was a lot of optimism and you saw it. The market reverberated once he got brought back in. Shares went back up 30 percent. So hard to argue with uh, with metrics like that. Right. It's true. Tony, your reaction to this sudden change in CEO uh, firing a Bob Chapin. I don't know. Is it? Is it more sudden for all of us than everybody that's looking at this on the inside out? Like from everything you read, like I've read everything you put out there. It seems like a lot of people seem this coming. A lot of sides will tell you that JPEG wasn't the man for the job. And then another side will tell you strictly that he was undercut and wasn't given the ability to do what he wanted to do. Um, all in all, he comes out looking like the bad guy. And if you read it enough, you can see where Iger kind of like was like, oh, there's a pandemic. Let me get out of here for a while. Oh, you're not doing well. Let me come back now. So just to kind of play both sides of it a little bit, I, I don't know. Who cares, to be honest with you? This is like the team that has Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Joe Montana as their quarterbacks. So if something gets hurt, it's fine. Like, this is the company that has Star Wars, Marvel, and all the Disney properties. If you can't figure it the fuck out, this is like fantasy basketball in the early 2000s when if you had Shaq, you won. They have Shaq. They're going to win. They're going to figure it out somehow. Do they need to be more friendly to the customers? Likely. But that's just society in general right now. Everybody's kind of hurting. I will say that um, in response to your question about whether or not Chapik was allegedly surprised. Like JPEG showed up for work and was then like fired was was basically the way I understood it. Like the board of directors removed him. He it will and we're gonna get into some of the other start the side of it. I think one of the things that's really interesting, you mentioned all these properties that JPEG owned. For me, what was really telling, and let's let's you know, Dave sort of brought it up a little bit, but 
we can actually we can get into it here. I'm gonna get over to the article. For me, you talked about these properties that Disney owns. What was stunning to me is that with all of those properties, and whether or not you want to start with, with you know, it's starting with Black Widow, was the the decision to release Black Widow to Disney Plus at I do was it was it a no cost? Is that one of the ones they did for free, or did you premium. have to spend? It was like a thirty dollar yeah, premium yeah. thing. Yeah, that that basically they tried this Disney premium thing. It was it was Raya the Last Dragon. One of them so was free. That they released. we talked we talked at end about this whole misuse of, or mis mishandling of this movie, right, and where it was put up and what happened right. and things. But did we ever bring his name up in doing so? His name specifically, time, no, no. But we, it was Disney in general. But, but here's the thing: at the end of the day, where does the buck stop with a major right. decision like that? This by Disney, like it's the CEO. It's this the head coach kind of thing? Like, oh, we're struggling, so we we think you're a good head coach, but we're going to get rid of you. And oh, the, our old head coach, he's available because he he's he picked you, but he's like Phil Jackson wants to come back again, guys. Like Montana got boring. Um, you know, I don't have to I don't have to just do home games anymore. I can I can travel now. I do think that there is some of that to that, and Abigail Disney. I shared that article with y'all where she kind of gives her thoughts and opinions on, on how this all went down and and does very much paint Iger as an opportunist on when he got back, when he got out, and then the ability to come back in. At the end of the day, to me, what was truly staggering is that under his watch as CEO, $1.5 billion in losses from the direct-to-consumer division at Disney. So- $1.5 billion for the quarter for the quarter so that's all chapic as ceo and you know some of the other things that can be argued um you know well i'm sure we're gonna we're gonna talk about parks in a little bit but a lot of the dynamic pricing stuff that came from parks that bob chapic supported was actually brought forward by a different executive that then Bob Chapek co-signed on when it comes to the changes to Disney Plus. I can't even remember the guy's name, but there's this really fun tweet out there that I that I used to share, where the guy kind of gets a pass because he looks cool and kind of hipstery. He looks like one of you guys, but like he's the guy who was like, "Let's increase the price of soda by three bucks. Let's let's do this dynamic pricing model for Disney Genie Plus." So depending on what day you're at the park, or one of the other things that happened to me was on Thanksgiving Day, you could only do one lightning lane for over for in the morning, and then you had to wait till 10.30. You had to wait three and a half hours or something from 7 a.m. before you could do a second lightning lane. And so you couldn't even get as many lightning lanes as you were able to do and plan out your day the way you wanted to uh, on Thanksgiving Day because of that dynamic model that they put out there. Uh, the reservation system was something that Chapek signed off on as part of a reaction to the pandemic. The end of the meal plan feature, which is something I desperately want them to bring. You see even the reopening of restaurants and, you know, and they're still having staffing problems right now. They're still having trouble getting people hired to fully staff. But to get a dining reservation at any Disney location right now, good luck. Good luck if you didn't do that morning of three months ahead of time to make those dining reservations based on your park tickets. So 
there was just a, it's not only that he made tough decisions and we haven't even talked about it, he had been talking about layoffs forever and the other rumor was is that it was coming that layoffs were on the horizon that they were looming um now whether or not they still happen under Iger's watch who knows but it wasn't looking good and, and a lot of his decisions were not popular yeah i mean speaking specifically about the parks um yeah i mean the pixar thing that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole can of worms the decision on black widow as to when to release it why are we pushing this thing back this film's been done for a year um you know that that's a, its own conversation i think from the park standpoint and, and i don't envy them because the parks were shut down i know disney world opened a lot sooner than like disneyland was like six months later and that's you know we we talked about it when they're happening the parks were losing like what they were losing a million dollars a day at least or more right. prob- probably more than that because they were all shut down um you know that that's a big loss because those parks are huge money generators for for disney a- as a corporation but yeah, like you mentioned the reservation system. See, this is the part that I don't understand. And somebody who frequents the parks and you just experienced it, we experienced it a little bit more, but you'd started this reservation system as a response to the pandemic because you allegedly wanted to limit crowds. And 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 we want to know how many people we're only going to allow these many people into the parks. Fine. I get that. But once it was clearly evident that they weren't limiting shit anymore, that they were just letting in their full capacity, why do we still have this reservation system that makes it so if you get a ticket, that's great, but you have to have a reservation at the park and trying to manage that is one of the most cumbersome things that you can go through as, as anybody going to the parks. So for me, it's like, this doesn't make any sense anymore. The, the, the pandemic is not over. I understand that. But if you're going to let crowds in, like it is over, and then you're still going to use this, this reservation system to really screw people over. And like the stuff, like, Stuff like you know, my wife is a is a pass holder. Chapek basically called pass holders the undesirable element. How do you alienate, right. you know, people like your that? Your most who, dedicated, your most dedicated audience. fan base, and you're calling them the undesirable element. You're that's a horrible decision to make. So, yeah, I mean, from that standpoint, he made a lot of bad decisions with the parks. The the genie plus thing didn't roll out well. Um, you know, yep. the, the nickel and diming, like you've talked about, we've talked about on these rides that it's like, why do I have to pay even more just to skip the line on this thing? Um, just the, and the general feel, you know, it wasn't so much like Disney world, but like when you go to Disneyland, which has a different feel than, than Disney world does, it just didn't feel right. It like the magic was like not there. And that's a big problem when you're talking about the most magical place on earth and the magic's gone. Somebody's done something wrong. And I think that led to the Bob Iger comment that everybody said, like his big concern was that it looked like Bob Chapek was quote, killing the soul of the company. My, my thing is, and I do think this is a fair point to bring up um, base. And I, I've done this Disney world experience twice now, once pre pandemic. And then just this past week, the trip vacation is supposed to be, a time to relax, a time to enjoy and experience. Vacation should not feel like work, should not give you anxiety, should not create stress. You should not have to create 
you shouldn't like I shouldn't have had to set a 6:30 a.m. alarm to wake up for 7 a.m. to book lightning lanes. And previously, the, the previous trip, you didn't do that. Like you could book your lightning lanes three months in advance of when you were coming to the park. So it it did it it. it I do see the argument that it created this this model for park goers created an environment that would be anxiety and stress inducing. And if you've ever been to these parks, there's already, it's already a high stress sort of thing for a lot of families, even before this new system. Like I, I joked that I think I sent this as a text to Dave or a, a message to Dave. I also sent it to Greg, but my last day at the park. So they do, they do a fireworks display at eight 15 on main street. And they start lining people up. They start herding cattle to get you to where you can watch the fireworks display. And there's this mom who is trying to corral her kids wearing a shirt that says, Blessed Mama. Clearly proud of losing her ever-loving shit on her four-year-old who's just being a four-year-old at Disney World. And yet mom is freaking out on this kid and like, you just saw it time and time again. So you've already got this environment where parents feel this intense. And this is a feeling that exists no matter what. When you travel with children, you know, if you choose to be a parent and you're going to take your four-year-old to a place like Disney World, like they're going to do things that you're not going to want them to do because they're four years old. And that's they, they, they have the, there's all this around. And, and if you try to control that, like many parents do, you're going to have an aneurysm. Then you follow that up with trying to make sure you create an experience that is worth all the money you spent to get there. Like I get why people are screaming at cast members. I get why people stopped coming to the park because when a vacation itself is work, why the fuck are you leaving work? And for some folks it's like, it's like that. And so hopefully we'll, we'll see some change, but like when I, on my, on my trip this summer, when we're going to scenic Wisconsin, Wisconsin bound uh, to the Dells, where hopefully everything, the stars will align. And I am sharing a pint or two with one PC Tunney at an establishment. I already know that the planning for that is going to be 30% of the stress that was planning our Disney experience. And that's just making sure that my kid doesn't kill himself on a water slide. So it's it's yeah it's overly complicated they, they've they've turned the system into something that's so complex with so many moving parts and trying to keep like you know disney world where it's double the parks that disneyland has i mean disneyland's hard enough to manage i i just i did right. the whole disney world experience in june and i i feel your pain my friend it's like man there's a lot that goes and we weren't even on property so at least you had the advantage you were on property which gives you an advantage right. when you're not you're at the whim of the gods of what is the crowd tracker going to be like today. So it's just, it's just, it's a cumbersome, difficult experience to manage. And it just, it was never like that before. And it shouldn't be that way right now. 100%. Tony took a, took a, a view of it that I actually, I wanted to make sure that we get to. And that was the perspective of Abigail Disney, who's the granddaughter of Roy. Now the Disney family has shares of Disney stock, but not nearly the controlling interest of, of whatever it is. Uh, in 2010, for example, Abigail's brother Roy 
said the whole Disney family owns less than 3% of the company's stock. So it's not like they own a ton, but their voice carries some weight. And she brought out the she brought up a really good point that, that Tony hit on. You know, Iker did choose to step down just before the pandemic became what it was in the United States. And it, it is convenient that a guy who kept saying, oh, I'm trying to retire for 15 years, finally retired right at a time when he knew things were going to be bad and whoever was at the head was going to look bad. Then the guy he picks kind of takes all the heat and he decides to come back when asked. Now, it is a popular pick, as Dave pointed out. Like, he came back and stocks have gone up. But doesn't Bob Iger wear a bit of this too, Tony? At least some of this turmoil? Well, of course. I mean, it's like completely discounting the first, I don't know, the first, you know, that's why they call it, what do they call it? When a new president gets elected, it's the first hundred days or whatever. Right. Because it's what can you change that's going to already have been rolling into effect in those first hundred days is kind of the, kind of the thing there. So I don't know, you know, this whole thing comes down to millionaires and billion dollar corporations arguing. And you know, when millions and billions start arguing with each other, I tend to check out. I think I said it before, and it's really all I want to say, kind of like lock and key style, is you you have all the winning weapons. You you won't lose. It's it'll be okay. You'll figure it out. It'll be fine. You're Disney. You have Marvel. You have Star Wars, and The Simpsons. Speaking of uh, Star Wars, by the way, check out Andor, best Star Wars show nobody watched. Anyway. There was a story, Dave, and I wanted to get your comment on this because I, I don't know if I buy it or not. And, hey, you know, Tony, feel free to jump into. There's a rumor that Apple could be a potential buyer in Disney. If that happens, one, whoa. But I mean, how is much that, is Disney? Is that, how much how much does it cost to buy? That's everything. Well, the thing is. This is a rumor that permeates around this time every year. So this isn't the first year we've heard this. But there's also the belief out there from a lot of people that, well, it would be the other way around. Disney would buy Apple. And I don't think people realize the fact that Apple's worth probably 10 times more than Disney is, which seems Disney's worth billions. Apple's worth trillions. So could they do it? Could they buy all the properties like Tunney's alluding to? They could. But why? You know, Apple is not an entertainment uh, content provider or entity. They, they deal with tech, they deal with their computers, they deal with phones, they do this. Uh, you know, they do dabble in entertainment with Apple TV and you kind of see how that works. I was going to say, says the guy who we just agreed that we we're going to cover right. an Apple TV but plus even, exclusive movie. Even then <laughs> though, you look at what Apple TV offers and compare that to Disney plus, and there is no comparison. You know, they've got some shows on there, but they're, you know, they're not focusing on that arm of things. So why would Apple want to go and get and purchase? Yes, it would make them infinitely more valuable. But we talked about the parks. Apple has no clue how to run seven theme parks worldwide. And why would they even want to try? That's just a massive headache that they'd be taking on. So could they do it? Yes. 
Would they do it? I would be absolutely floored if Apple wanted to jump in to, to dip their feet in that pool and say, yeah, let's check this out. So, but it's, it's like, yeah, I've heard this a few times over the years. It just, it doesn't, but it's the same. Like we hear Disney's going to buy WWE rumors pretty much every year. Right, Tony? And never happens. And it wouldn't would make sense. You know, this all feels like a big conversation we've had for a majority of the pandemic and, and the golden age of streaming. At what point does it come down to there's three options and this is a way for Apple and Disney to both sustain themselves. This could be some kind of agreed upon merger with selective control. I mean, I could see that happening. We, we talked about like who was going to be the first network to grab their streaming and go in with a streaming and an, and a, a studio. Right. So these are all these things we've been talking about. They're all happening now. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that's interesting, David, is important to pay attention to is that if somebody was going to buy Disney last Sunday, or at least before last Sunday, would have been a terrific time to do so with the stocks at, its, at an all-time low. You know, currently Disney's valued at around $180 billion. It, you know, the stock rebounded with Iger taking over and price of shares went up. So we'll see if they remain a vulnerable piece to acquire. And I think Tony's on to something like if, if you're Apple and maybe you're just looking for the streaming content, you don't have to fire everybody. If you take on Disney, you can continue running parks uh, using the folks that are in place. What, but for their streaming service and their library, Apple TV Plus acquiring Disney, like Apple TV Plus becomes the most important streaming service in the country. And they're Apple. Easy. And they're Apple. So it's it's massive. If that rumor is to be true. Now, I personally don't buy it. I, I think that the price is going to go up and then Disney will continue to be Disney uh, for the foreseeable future. Last question of this top for this topic. Um, and I'm going to change it because I... I I made this a yes or no question. I actually want to make it a, an open-ended question. How does Bob Iger write the ship for Disney, other than his presence, which is, which is, um, you know, obviously laid out a at least a, a foundation where people are more confident in, in his leadership, Dave. Well, I, I mean. His presence alone is going to be a calming sort of thing for a while. And and I do agree, like like Tony saying, like uh like the article talking about with uh uh who was the girl from Disney? Which one was it? Who the Roy's Ab- Abigail. Abigail. Um you know, I, I I would agree that Bob Iger is opportunistic and 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 you know, got out when the when he saw the writing on the wall. Still you got Chapek had almost a year to do something with this and, and seemed to make the wrong decision every time. I, I mean, yeah, I think getting back, what Iger's got to do is, is get back in touch with the fan base, the hardcore fan base and try and, and do something to create some goodwill amongst them that has largely been lost for the last year. And I think that'll go a long way towards doing that. I, I don't see like sweeping changes on Disney plus. I don't see that happening. Um, there's no reason for it. It's not like it's 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 overpriced compared comparatively speaking to everything else. It probably does need to do some changes to the parks and make that a better experience that it's less 
like you're saying, Pat, like it's less of a stress to do this. If I'm going to go on vacation to go to your parks, could you at least make it sort of user friendly? Um, I think that's that's kind of where they want to go. I, I don't see see I don't see them making big changes with Marvel or Star Wars or any of that stuff that just is printing its own money to a certain extent. But I think it's to me, it feels like he's got to create, he's got to change the culture and the mindset. And yes, if he does feel like JPEG was sacrificing the soul of Disney, then he needs to get that back. And that starts with the fans and it starts with the fan base. And it starts with reconnecting with the people who made Disney what it was, you know, don't alienate your most ardent, passionate, dedicated supporters, your annual pass holders. Don't, don't make them feel like they've done something wrong by getting this pass. I mean, that's, that's horrible. Uh, you know, somebody who's a pass holder, I, I think that mentality permeated through Disney too much for the last year and a lot of dissatisfied people. He's got to recapture that audience, make them feel like they actually are cared for that. Goodwill will then translate hopefully into people investing more into the company and wanting to do more with the company instead of starting to shy away and say, you know, maybe I need to look for opportunities elsewhere. So I, I think that's where he's got to start right now is rebuilding that foundational relationship. Tony, what about you? What do you think Bob Iger has to do to help break this ship? In listening to what Dave just said, it, that makes a lot of sense, right? It's a lot of great points there. It's, it's got to be one man. I'll be, I'll be brief. It's got to be one singular mentality. Start from the inside out. I think that's a fair assessment as well. I agree. I think that a, a lot of the, I'll be interested to see what happens with the streaming services with Disney, because it's not like, like, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is with the, with the direct to customer content on Disney plus that was causing the losses that he, that, that, that he caused, like how, what the experience was that was hurting the subscribers. Cause it's not a, it's not a poorly put together interface. It's not like there aren't shows people anticipate or looking forward to seeing hit Disney plus. Like, it's not like they're putting out poor content. Maybe his restriction on studios producing content for Disney plus was Maybe. causing a lack of growth that they wanted to see sustained over that period of time. That's really the do, only thing I can think of. Right. I do hope Iger fixes the relationship with Pixar. Uh, I think that is a big deal. And, and that that will go a long way with helping that studio because that studio was not treated well by Chapek. But, honey. Out, outside of, like, doesn't Disney Plus feel like it produces the least brand new content week to week? Yeah, I would say yes. And uh, it's funny you say I say that. they it's interesting what they do put out. For example, they put out an Elton John live concert this past 20, uh, you know, on the 20th. They have an Adina Menzel concert that is dropping on the 8th. They've got, you know, they've got kind of a solid rotation of. They Marvel almost roll shows. genre to right. the next genre to the next genre. Right. And if you miss one or two, you feel like you maybe don't get in on all of it. And I'm not saying that right. anything that's come out hasn't just hit me because of. I'm into that, but you know, I am suffering well, from like House of the Dragon and She-Hulk, you know, empty-heartedness. Right. Well, I will say, and right now, I think their their current series that's out that's made any sort of level news is the Santa Claus uh, series with Tim Allen, 
Um, which again, I kind of do like if you're big into Christmas and into those movies, like sure. Um, maybe you're jumping on board with that. It is, it's just it's interesting to see what what'll happen with Disney Plus and moving forward. And I think that, you know, on the film side of things, it's about making them not look like a soulless machine when it comes to their relationship with their content creators. You know, like like I said, like Pixar to their artists. You know, like, you know, Chapik getting off on the wrong foot with Scarlett Johansson was a terrible decision. And on the park side of thing, it is it's about creating a family experience that people actually <laughs> Is this whole thing because Iger didn't want to tell Scar Scojo what he needed to tell her? I I doubt it, but who knows? Come on. Like seriously, like if if like whatever eons from now we're all in whatever place we end up being and the three of us are sitting there over the rocky two fire in a barrel looking at what actually happened in the past and we look down and i goes yeah i'm not giving her that news i'll see you in like three four years after all this shit's over with i mean that'd be hilarious i i think it'd be hilarious uh, sitting on a barrel that, drinking wine and singing but i i do think that you know Iger leaving on the eve of the pandemic shutdowns set a tone. And I think, and I don't think that can be denied. And I think that that's, I think that's what Abigail Disney and what Tony has really talked about here is, you know, it was opportunistic and Chapik was the one kind of caught holding the bag when he made decisions that, you know, we don't, we don't have the benefit of knowing whether Iger made or would have made because he walked away. So who knows? On the uh, and I agree with you one hundred percent, Dave. On the other side of it, there 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 needs to be a a long hard look in the parks dis- division about what makes sense and what doesn't to keep or get rid of because it's not all going to go away. You know, at the end of the day, as CEO Iger, who has a town hall planned, by the way, with their staff, if I do recall, it's coming up Monday. I think it might be tomorrow. Um, we're recording this on Sunday, so it would be today as we're listening to it. Uh, I'm actually trying to find where I shared that. But there's going to be a major CEO, Bob Iger, will host an employee town hall on Monday, November 28th at noon Eastern time to discuss the future of the company and answer questions as we build on Disney's legacy of creativity, innovation, and inspiration. So that is, and that is from a company memo. So tomorrow will be a big news day to set up next week's podcast as we look into what vision Bob Iger has. Because he's only got two years. It's been said this is going to be a two year thing before the next CEO comes up. Now, Tony's brushing it off. We will actually see if that actually happens or not. But two years is the rumor. So it's, it's ironic. Monday is going to be. And it's ironic to me, you're talking about he's going to give you his vision, but I think yeah. a lot of the success of this is going to be on how transparent Bob Iger is with this town hall, hall meeting and what he's going to divulge right. to them. So, well, yeah. I think the I think the board is going to have a lot more say in this transition process, too. They've already come out very vocally and said, this needs to be done right. You didn't do well the first time. Like that is the one acknowledgement of Iger's fuck up that they have said is that this successor choice was failed. So that's where we are. And we'll, we'll have 
We'll see on Monday. We'll see as the you know this afternoon after this show is being you know after you listen to this show this morning, um, you'll know this afternoon what we're talking about um, the following Monday. So there we go. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we get out of here, let's go around the room real quick. Uh, tell everybody how they can listen to you on the bay or on the Chairshot Radio Network. And where they can follow you on the socials, Mister Saturday Night PC Tony. Uh, what a what a brief show today. Uh, Hour and a half. We were moving. We the Greg DeMarco special. It's our influence, Tony. We were influential last week. I, you can follow me at PC. <laughs> Thank God, lock and key is over. Adios, sayonara. You know, put another pile of nerd on top of that one. Uh, Thanks for the first season, but PC Tony, Twitter, Facebook, Chairshot Radio Network, ProWrestlingTees.com. Yeah. David Ungar. You can find me on Twitter at Commanders Win Again. Yes, apparently uh, so. Uh, no, you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude A-G-G, and Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And by all means out there, everybody, have a, hopefully you had a very good holiday and have fun with the holiday season. Especially you, Tony, and you too, Pat. I know you're. It's going to take you a week to recover. Yes, it will. Glad I'm going back to the world tomorrow. So excited! You can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. You can listen to me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chairshot Radio Network. Monday on the Bandwagon with Bandwagon Nerds. Tuesday with David Ungar doing Chairshot Radio. This week it's a five by five, and on Wednesdays. Talking wrestling with Greg DeMarco on the Greg DeMarco Show. That's going to do it for us this week. Now get yourself out of the basement. Get some sun. Watch the future in Disney while eating all of those Thanksgiving leftovers. You have been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. fruit and vegetables or is it just fruit and by the time i came home she was already gone victoria left huh yeah you know why she left me freddie because i didn't love her that
bitch. Hi. Hi. Anywhere but the first three rows. Anywhere but the first three rows. Hey! Hi, Freddie. Hey, Alan, where's Hi. Victoria? Oh, uh, she, uh, she is sick, oh, and, uh, she can't make it. That's too bad. I'm sorry. Well, see. Hey! <clears throat> Why didn't I love her, Freddie? Huh? Can you answer me that? Why didn't I love her? I mean, she, she had everything. She was, she was bright, she was sensitive, she was beautiful. Hey, Alan! Hi. Hi. Uh, where's Victoria? Flu. Uh, bad flu. She's very sick, and she can't make it because of the flu. Give her my love, will you? You bet. Sure. I can't even give her my love, Freddy. I'm telling you, something, something in here is not working. There are worse organs not to be working. Hi, guys. Hey, Bauer. Where's that pretty lady of yours? She's not coming, okay? What, you want your money back? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's all for the best, huh? Hey, Alan. She left me! She moved out my life to shambles, okay? That's the news. You want the weather? Anywhere but the first three rows. She's really lighting up on the guy. That's the bride's brother. 